welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend, the Dr. Michael Berg, uh, as well as my dear friend and colleague, Professor Jason Oakland. Uh, we are joined by a guest who we will introduce in just a moment. We're very happy to have the guest in studio. Don't even have to use Zoom, though we can use that now today. Um, and we are in a the same podcast studio. It's the same room. Uh, well, but I would say it's a it's a new podcast studio. Jason, would you agree? Yeah, very much so. I would say if you if you were walking in expecting to see the old podcast studio, you would think you were in a magically transported new place or something like uh, that because it's looking good. So we had spring break last week here at the college, and Jason and I were on podcast business. Um, we were in Italy trying to drum up our audience there right? Um, for Let the Bird Fly. And I really do think we're going to see our Italy numbers yep. take off. Exactly. I mean, I think it's certainly going to help, you know, support the Albanian numbers for sure. Well, and, and that is that needs to be our next, definition, our next destination. So far as I know, we are still the number one Lutheran podcast in Albania. And we need to get there. We need to, to do something live. We did do a video in Rome. You can go to our YouTube channel, check that out. Put Let the Bird Fly on YouTube. You'll find all our videos. We've been doing Words to Know. Encourage you to check that out, too. Uh, Let the Bird Fly, which is now recording in this new uh, old podcast studio that has been refurnished, um, renovated, I would say spruced up. It's very welcoming. Hopefully our, our guest feels welcome. <laughs> Cleaned. Uh and, uh, and we thank Michael for that. That is what Michael was working on over spring break. And I believe you posted a video on the podcast Facebook page, Michael, or was that just your page? I think I did on there. So you can go, you can check out um, how things look. And we're going to have our first, we now have a door of, do we have a name for this door? I don't know. We have to come up with something. Door of honor or something? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pictures of guests. Not every guest. You don't just get to, you have to either come on multiple times or be distinguished in some mm -hmm. way, right? Mm -hmm. So I do have one of Peter up there, but I couldn't find one of Ben. <laughs> uh, I have one of Ben. I'll get that right. to you. And we, when the guests come, we would like them now to sign. Yeah, and, and we're going to have our first guest signing yep. the door. So like a, a famous restaurant, they got like, or a restaurant, they have famous people, mm -hmm. uh, their headshots. And, they, mm -hmm. and I like I, it. I scoured and found the best headshot of all of our guests. And we have, I would say... Um, Michael did a very good job. Uh, he could have just decked everything out in Cardinals in, in Michigan, but I feel like he tried to represent right, you uh, have your, you my have allegiances your and Jason's allegiance yes, as well. Yeah. I even have a, a CMU helmet that Michael uh, <laughs> brought for me that is on my uh, standing desk. I have like a DJ booth. Yep. In uh, the corner, Michael, you should at some point today get a picture of me at uh, my DJ booth. Well, I was thinking that we... I don't want to like, be too. Like, wiki, 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 I don't want to be too corny, but <laughs> we may have to have a new name for you, like DJ Master Wade or something. Thank like you. That. I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what they used to? Um, they used to call me P Wade back when I played church league basketball. Yeah, I bet. So I, could, I could maybe be something. We'll, we'll come up with something along those they called, lines. They used to call me Magic Mike, and I think they made nice. a movie. Well, maybe if listeners have ideas, they can go ahead and send us a message yeah. or um, an email, I believe, at podcast let the, at letthebirdfly.com. Um, Encourage you, though, um, if you haven't already, if you are a listener, uh, 
Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating. Give us a, a review. It's very appreciated. Five stars are always great. If Jason is what is keeping you from giving us five stars, <laughs> let us know. We'll drop um, him. Yeah, we will. We'll get rid of him. I don't doubt it. If need be. <laughs> um, but it was very nice to come back to this new studio. We have a variety of themes. We have artwork by students. Um, flags. Mike Fummel, German flag. We, we even got that. Hanging up, and so very impressed, and I thank Michael for that. And I'm sure Michael thanks us for the recruitment we were doing <laughs> in Rome um, and in Florence. So did you hear what happened to us over there? So our room was supposed to have um, two oh, yeah. sofa beds and two king beds. <coughs> and it uh, turns out Expedia messed it up, only has one king bed. So guess what I had to do all week? Snuggle with Jason. I sleep with yep. this dude. But there was a very clear boundary. It was yep. a king bread that was two beds. Stick, you know how the Europeans do that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we even came up with a DMZ. We had a agreed-upon distance from the boundary right. that we don't even enter. Just like at home? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but we, uh, we're glad to be back and to be recording again. And our guest today is a local guest um, who uh, has a son who has played baseball with my son, um, was at MLC in seminary with us, although ahead of us uh, at while we were there. Yeah, just, a, just a year ahead, yeah. Yeah, has had a, a ministry journey in a variety of settings and now serves um, in an interesting setting here in the city of Milwaukee, the city where Michael and I reside, the city where Jason was too good <laughs> to reside yeah, and yeah. decided to be 25 minutes. Yep. Away. Who drives through with his doors locked. And his yeah. Door. Right, yes. Yep. With his yes. lower property taxes. Yeah. Yep. Sprawl. And just, you know, trying to, my, you know, support my watches, wife and her calling. Watches the, the evening news yep. and gives thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but Chad Walta. Uh, Chad Walta serves um, Christ St. Peter's School, um, is the school mm-hmm. that two churches are combined <clears throat> for, and then Christ is the name of the the church, right, Chad? Uh, yeah, yep. St. Peter's is, is mile and a half, maybe? or About 20 blocks. About 20 yep, blocks 20 away. 20 blocks uh, east towards the lake. And yep. so my children going to St. John's in Milwaukee mm-hmm. played a number of basketball games. Oh, yeah. At Christ St. Peter. Can't believe you um, fit in the gym there. Yes, yeah. I've, I've been over there. <laughs> it, was, it was the one gym that made us feel like our gym wasn't as bad either because we also have a smaller gym in St. John's yeah. and then you go to some of the schools in there. And the only gym smaller is St. Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've been in St. Yeah, Phillips. Is okay. St. Enough. Phillips is, I think, right. smaller, yeah. We have enough room for a chair, but your feet do stick on the floor. You know, so. it's, it's cozy. <laughs> it's cozy. Yeah. It's cozy in the winter. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're very happy to have you here with us. Why don't you go ahead Thanks before we make our way um, to the free fall and just take a little time and maybe tell us about yourself, your where you've served and where you're serving now. And we'll get more into the current context and the main, main topic. Well, well, actually, uh, Mike and I were serving rather closely out in Minnesota for a lot of years and and uh, would have dinner with their families and things like that out in Wood Lake. I started uh, ministry in um, two farm towns in, uh, well, actually one farm town and then out in the country, uh, Danube, Minnesota. Um, if you know Mike Cushel, he was a pastor that followed me after that. Um, following that, I was called out to uh, Rocky Mountain Lutheran High School out in uh, North Glen, Colorado, just northern suburb of uh, of Denver. And uh, during that period of time, uh, 
Paul Biedenbender does uh, does great work in, in the city of uh, Denver, and that congregation, Christ in Denver, was the congregation that as a high school teacher, my family and I, we joined. And uh, it's a multicultural, multilingual um, ministry there in, uh, in downtown Denver. So we we really kind of fell in love with that kind of a ministry. After a couple of years at Rocky Mountain, um, it was during an economic downturn that a lot of our mission congregations, uh, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say a lot of them, some of them lost their funding, and uh, there was a congregation in in uh, Brighton, Colorado that, uh, um, that needed uh, a pastor because they had lost their funding. And so Rocky Mountain and I uh, decided... Uh, to kind of uh, put me half and half with Rocky Mountain and with uh, with Living Hope in Brighton, Colorado. So after that period of time, six, seven years out in Colorado, we found ourselves here in uh, Milwaukee um, on the south side, very multicultural. I think if you probably would um, consider where we are and where we're serving, I mean, the, the ethnicities have changed um, continually in that area. Um, actually, uh, for baseball fans, people that love uh, love baseball, the the Hall of Famer Al Simmons. Oh, if you ever hear of absolutely. Al Simmons, he's from uh, he's from the neighborhood. So it, he was uh, he's Polish. Aloysius Szymanski was his name, and so from that neighborhood. And then just the the way that the neighborhoods in Milwaukee change over the years now, it's it's mostly a, a Spanish speaking. Um, and I, I'm, I'm always wondering, I'm always wondering what the next ethnic, ethnicity is going to be, because you see that happening in, uh, in the neighborhood that people get to a certain economic level and the way that Milwaukee seems to work, you know, they, they, people kind of move out, yeah. they move out of the city. Um, and, uh, it's not hard to, not hard to understand either with, uh, you know, some of the, the hardships of the neighborhoods, you know, in yeah. north and south side Milwaukee. Um, but uh, great families and uh, people that, that are intent on, you know, intent on living the American dream. So yeah. uh, I guess I, I should mention that uh, my vicar year was in Mexico. So I, I was part of a vicar program that, um, and I can still remember getting on the plane and heading to Mexico City, and I didn't know a single word, really, a few words. I had high school Spanish. Um, and uh, looking out and seeing Mexico City from my plane window and going, how am I going to be able, I have no idea how I'm going to be able to do this. And um, and then eight, nine months later, I'm dating a woman who's from Puebla, Mexico, and we <laughs> get married. And so that's, you know, a huge... She decided... She- you needed to learn Spanish, huh? She, yeah. Well, actually, she she's committed the one, her life to teaching you. She's the she's the one that uh, probably took my Spanish and you know went up because you yeah. can't when you when you can't talk very well and you go on dates you have to yeah. <laughs> you have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So I would um, say the uh, yeah. the area around the church, Chad. One of the there's not many places you can get a great Polish meal and a great Mexican meal at, uh, in the same. Walking distance, if you want, but there's yeah. still some of the good old Polish holdout bakeries and restaurants in the area. Um, a very fun, interesting area, and we'll, we'll get more into that yeah. in the, into the main topic as well. But uh, very winding background, I think an interesting background, and I'm looking forward to discussing it. Uh, Michael, 
we have the new podcast studio set up, but I see you were prepared to have the disclaimer right over there. It did not get lost. We've had the same disclaimer sheet since this podcast started. Well, we do have extras, if you notice there. But that's the one that's drawn on, right? Well, maybe not. I don't know. Uh-oh. It's still, yeah, here's, here's the one. Okay. We should frame that one because yeah. that one has been from the beginning. All right. You ready? Yep. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all, where we like to discuss the pressing issues of the day. And uh, Michael Michael has made a, uh, a suggestion for our free-for-all topic, um, which I, I'm guessing the three of four of us in the room will enjoy discussing, yeah. because uh, their teams have hope. Well, this is well I think Jason's <laughs> has hope. Yeah. I, think, I think so. Absolutely. Um, and this I will make my same sad prediction that I've made um, as part of our perpetual rebuild for years, but tell us what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, this Michael. is our annual uh, baseball uh, preview, uh, which everybody has, has been uh, looking forward to, and this is perfect timing because Chad is a college player, uh, played in college, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we, you're here because in, in Minnesota, you still have town ball. Oh, yeah. You still have, oh, yeah. like, you know, field of dreams kind of, Town ball, like every town's got their one, maybe even two teams. And uh, so uh, uh, Pastor Walta found himself as the old man on the on the team in, in, in Sacred Heart, correct? Yeah, I and got revved. You're, I got and you're, you already mentioned your, uh, uh, yeah. who followed you, was also a college baseball player. Oh, he player. was so much better, too. And oh, so, my gosh. But there, you, had, uh, you had a good well over a decade of, uh, you know, pastors on the local ball team that's pretty cool it it was it was pretty neat yep and uh and i i wish that i could have played there at that time being a little bit more in shape than <laughs> i was i after that after i got married and after i started we started having children i my uh athletic skills went way yeah. down but uh still think about uh every once in a while dusting things off i'm a little bit better in sh- better shape now than I was out in Minnesota. A lot of a uh, lot of hot dish, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And out of uh, Minnesota. And your son is playing, playing yeah. as a freshman at uh, what's the name of the school? Bryant and Stratton yeah. here in That's Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. So. It was it was fun to watch him at the he end of last write. year. They uh, he can write. He decided to just hit home runs for a while. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. He had a couple of really good weeks. I don't know, really what got into weeks. him, but he was on a roll. It, it was, just hit, yeah, uh, just mm. right at the right. That was a moment. That, it was a fun team last year. So yeah, he really loves it. I and. Um, <coughs> And, uh, yeah, we're excited. He's put in a lot of work, really hard work. And um, we, we kind of, uh, you know, my dad and I talk a lot and about hopefully uh, trying to maybe steer him at some point here because he has gifts to serve in ministry too. Yeah, but right. uh, I had him in class, and yeah. I, I wasn't shy about that too. Like, yeah, right. We, every college has a baseball team. 
right. even the ones yeah. that train pastors. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, right. And and you know, no offense, but I don't I don't know that he's going to get drafted. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I don't. You know, maybe don't tell him that. Yeah. So we'll see. But us, uh, uh, Chad's a baseball guy. We always talk baseball when we get together. Yeah. And so yeah. Chad yeah. is a, a what fan? Oh, Brewers. Brewers. That's what I thought. Okay. Oh, my gosh. This I didn't is, know if yeah. you had picked up a team along the way. I knew you Packers oh, fans. Oh, boy, so. oh, boy. So may I suggest we just get mine out of the way, and then we go Jason, and then we go NL. I would say you have Jason, the best what is your team? We'll go American League Twins. to National League. Twins. Is that, is that oh, okay? Oh, my God. Okay. That's fine. Okay. I would say that your team has, in my opinion, the best stadium. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And the second out of the four, the second best uniforms. Thank you. And uh, those are sharp uniforms. They're nice. Would, They're very classic. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say my team optimistically wins 70 games. Um, for those who don't know, the Tigers were in a bit of a rebuild for a while. And last year was supposed to be the year. And it started off with some promise. Um, and then it just kicked us in the stomach for the whole rest of the year. Our GM is gone. Um, and uh, I think we are going to have some young talent that shows some glimmers of hope. Um, but you hope, you know, you're this far into a rebuild that you're just like the farm system, man, is loaded. Ah, uh, but most of the more re- most recent, like, uh, studies of the MLB farm systems are saying uh, maybe ours isn't that good. Mm-hmm. And and that, that makes it kind of sad, I would say. Um, so I'm going to say... They win 70 games. I'm, at some point, they go on a streak. I'm going to say they win eight or nine in a row. Um, either early enough to give people hope or late enough that it just does not matter. And nobody will notice. Right. Um, I'm going to say we have uh, no bullpen, as we tend to want to do. Um and we're going to have a lot of trouble scoring runs. But our starting pitching, I'll say we'll be in the middle of the pack okay. for the MLB. Right. Very good. And I will still watch the games. Yeah. Every I'm, year, I'm really sad every about year. this, but I can't really think other than Miguel Cabrera. I can't really think of anybody else yeah. who's on the Tigers. It's going to be, right be rough. Um, every year I get the MLB app. Every year I watch the games. Chad, sure. Chad mentioned before we were recording, the Lions are showing hope, so that's good. Yeah, the Lions it's are. It's rough for the Pistons, Red Wings – glimmers the captain might turn us around but uh, i'm gonna say 70 wins and i'm gonna say uh for sure the least amount of wins by at least 10 of any of the teams represented by fans in this room and that's showing some love to the twins yeah all right what what do you think about the the twins i think i have i have hope for the twins this year Uh, i think they were um poised to um threaten last year and for a while there it looked like they were gonna uh, do all right, and then it seems like what has happened the last couple of times they've showed promise. Then injuries hit, and things fall apart. And um, I'm really kind of hoping that uh, this is the year that they stay healthy. And uh, I, I think if they stay healthy, I think they have a real shot at winning the division. But that seems to be a big if for them. Um, and uh, they. I did bring a couple of guys back that I was kind of shocked to see that they were able to Mm -hmm. retain. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that they can, uh, can at the very least contend for the division. I don't know if they'll quite end up on top, but that's kind of what I'm looking at. 
And are you concerned at all that they seem to have gone away from their classic strategy of just um, assembling a bevy of like pitchers that throw low to mid eighties? Right, the old pitch to contact, yeah. and no, I uh, actually used to like that. Yeah, like yeah. Doug Fister back in the day for the Tigers. <coughs> right, yeah. They uh, they seem to have um, shifted their uh, approach a little bit, and uh, I think that's a generally a positive thing. I think, and um, definitely have uh, some uh, exciting players ac- uh, across the their team, and um, yeah, we'll see what. We'll see what comes so of it. So my question, though, Jason, is what's this deal with Carlos Correa? Like, what is his big injury that there's a whole yeah. whole deal in the off season was he was was he tr- he was traded or he signed somewhere and then yeah and I, then they he failed his. I mean, what is the big? Yep. Did they ever reveal I, what his big injury was? I or? never I never did hear exactly <clears throat> what what happened with that. Um, mm-hmm. I was, he was one of the guys that I was expecting for sure will be gone, you know, thought that he was kind yeah. of a one and done type of thing. And, and then oh, lo and behold, he's back. And, you know, so I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. I think there's reason for hope. And, but again, for them, the, the health has always been the, the big thing. And um, I always think at least that Byron recently, Buxton so. is the guy that always kills us when we play the yeah. twins. That guy yeah. always rakes against us. Yeah. Uh, but he's, yep been the guy that just hasn't been able to stay on the field for, oh, the, really? for the full okay. season. I mean, when he's in there, it, it just changes the changes the dynamic of the team. Um, and when he's gone, it's much, much different and much more disappointing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I will have to say one, one thing about being a Minnesota native and talking Minnesota town ball, which is really kind of a unique and cool thing, oh, yeah. um, uh, which others, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's hard to – it's, it's hard. It's legit to, baseball. It is legit baseball. And when I uh, very serious, yeah. One of the more recent trips home, we had found ourselves in Sleepy Eye for for a little bit. Uh, they were actually having kind of a, a town. It, not they they were promoting uh, the. I think it was the was it a hundred or was it maybe even a little over a hundred year anniversary of when Babe Ruth played in Sleepy Eye. When they, because you had major leaguers back in the day that would barnstorm through these, these towns playing, uh, playing in these town teams against these town teams and stuff, and that was, they that was one of the things they were coming up with was their, a hundred year plus anniversary or whatever it was when he played there. So, wow, kind of a cool thing. All right, let's move on to the second worst uh, division in all of baseball, and that's the National League Central. <laughs> um, uh, my Cardinals, I think, are the favorite. Um, if hmm. their starting pitching can uh, and can hold up, and that would be uh, if Jack Flaherty comes back. If not, it could be a disaster. I'm going to predict somewhere in the mid '80s for wins. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a division that's down to Cardinals and Brewers, don't yep, you think? Absolutely. I mean, Cubs don't really have anything. Um, Pirates always seem to be in a perpetual rebuild. Yeah. I think the Reds still have a team. Reds still have a team, I believe. Yep, that's what they are claiming. And you never really figure this, you never really think of this too often, but the Reds, like one of the oldest teams in baseball. Right, yeah. I mean, that that yep. is, you know. With good history. Know. Right, yeah. Well, and they had such a goofy year last year, too, with, you know, as bad as they were for so long, and then, like, yeah. went on that run for a bit, too, if I remember. And, you know, it's like, it's just weird. All right, yeah. Chad, how many wins for the Brewers? I'd like to say 90, but uh, there's a lot of contingencies in that. I'd like I'd like uh, to see Christian Yelich 
return to form. I still would like to know. I mean, I've heard about the the kneecap when he shattered his kneecap. That really put him back to. I hear inklings that he's he's back and bulked up and and everything again. Um, the the starting five is is definitely always a, str- a stronghold and middle relief is is a question mark. Sure, I mean, sure. they brought a lot of uh, arms in to I think to f- try to find those spots, but um, that. And and we don't we just don't know what it's going to be like, uh, you know, in the ninth inning. Devin Williams, mm. you know, I guess I never. Well, I guess he's he's got a pretty he's got a pretty strong arm. He's up in the high nineties, and but uh, you know, do you have a do you have a closer that's a change up specialist? I don't know. Yeah, is the is yeah. the question. I, yep. I I don't know. I've always wondered about that with Devin Williams, but <laughs> but um, we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah, we will. All right, yeah, we will. Let's go around with World Series, and then we got to move on. So I'll start, but we'll go around World Series, predict your teams and who wins it. I think it's going to be somehow the Yankees are going to buy their way into there, and uh, it'll be mm. Yankees, Dodgers, and I'm going to love watching it. Mm. Um, and I think the Dodgers are going to come out. They're finally going to win in a non-pandemic year mm. and uh, beat the powerful Yankees. What do you think, Jason? Who do you got? I think. I am, I can't, I just can't go with, I can't, you know, as a Twins fan, I can't pick the Yankees for anything just because, you know, they've hurt me too many times. But uh, I think I will maybe say the, I I like the Dodgers and I'll maybe say the Blue Jays. Oh, right. And, but I think the Dodgers too probably would be the, the, the pick there. All right, Wade, who do you got? Um, I'm just going to say what I think would be the one that would make the least happy. And I think it, there's a good chance that would Yankees-Astros. And that would be the... the I guarantee I would not watch a minute of Astros that. Astros is in the American League now. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Okay. Yankees-Braves, maybe? Yankees-Braves, is that what you think? No, I'll go, I'll go Yankees-Dodgers. Then. Right, okay. Oh, I hate the Dodgers. <laughs> I hate the Yankees, too. Let's go with... Uh, let's go with San Diego... From the National League, and let's go with Houston in the American League. That that team's a juggernaut, too. But, uh, you know, anything can happen. That's the kind of the cool thing about the playoff system right now. Yep. San Diego has spent so much money on their <laughs> on their team. Oh, you yeah. Know? So, yeah. Who do you got winning? Yeah. San Diego? Yeah, there sure. Go. All sure. Right. Sure, San Diego. We got San Diego, a couple for the Dodgers, and... And they got Hater now too, so I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're going to be tough in the eighth and ninth innings. All right, we'll come Pretty back. Tough, yeah. We'll come back with our main topic, which is uh, ministry on the south side of Milwaukee. brings us to our main topic where we will be talking about Chad's ministry and work on the south side of Milwaukee um, and things along those lines. I think we forgot to mention in the intro, so I will mention now that we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. You can go to 1517.org. 
um, find out about all the work that 1517 is doing, including their podcast network. Plenty of good podcasts to check out. Publishing, blog devotions, stuff like that. Um, and as we get started then with the main topic, Michael, I know you had some things in mind that you thought we could be talking about as we make our way through this. So I am going to go ahead and let you all right, get so, us started. Uh, my family and I often come down for Wednesday evening um, uh, Lenten services mm-hmm. because it's uh, the time and the location fits our schedule very well. And so if I'm not preaching somewhere, we typically are either at St. Peter, uh, San Pedro, or Christ. Um, uh, and uh, it's remarkable because this year, heard you preach and Pastor Dunn preach, and then uh, you had a vicar preach there, and uh, very impressive. Not only the theology was good, but uh, preaching a sermon where uh, you maybe have a couple lines in Spanish and then a couple lines in English and then Spanish and English, and it's very actually ends up being very natural and an enjoyable oh, experience. Uh, um, first, it's not super long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a catch yep. sermon in half. Um, but also... Um, it's almost, I would say, even better because you actually marinate on the words while the, the Spanish is being spoken, and then it's fun to hear. Uh, for instance, uh, Pastor Dunn last uh, night was preaching on Psalm 69, and he was talking, it's Messianic Psalm, and he, he made a, point, a repetitive point about, and God w- and the Father was silent, Right, and so he would say, and from God, silence. But then when he says it, he said, "Silencio," you know, like, and you're like, that added something because, as we all know, there's certain terms in different languages that are said with a different cadence or whatever sound sound just beautiful. There's things in Latin and Greek that sound better, right? And so uh, it's been an enjoyable experience this, uh, this this year, where I think I don't know if you did that last year, but this year where literally the sermon is going to be. Spanish, English, Spanish, English, or whatever. So I, hats off to you guys for doing that. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that's something that uh, is we're trying to include more and more to get all of our people together at once. You know, I think one of the challenges um, with with our ministry is that um, you you do naturally have because of the the way that things are set up. You have a you have an, a Milwaukee urban school choice school and so you've got a lot of kids and you got a lot of families that with little to no church background whatsoever and then you have our two congregations and inside of those two congregations you've got English speakers and Spanish speakers and uh, and I, I really like to keep it on just the language because human beings are human beings and and if we can try to keep it you know thinking about my relationship as a human being, as a sinner who needs my Savior, um, you know, all the better. And I suppose you could say, you know, there's another ethnicity that we serve, uh, uh, Karin, um, and I don't speak that. Pastor Dunn doesn't speak that. Um, but uh, training some of the people that have come out, and that's mostly uh, St. Peter's uh, ministry. Um, so the in a multicultural, multilingual setting like that to try to, you know, just reading um, daily devotions. And we met, we mentioned this, um, been studying the book of Acts for several years now. And, and we're to the point here now where there's a riot in Jerusalem and, and um, because of the, 
because of the people that were just like the Apostle Paul when he was called Saul, who were so upset about the fact that they would bring Gentiles into the temple courts and, you know, so zealous and, and for, the, for the law and for, um, you know, for the ways of uh, the Jewish people that uh, when the Apostle Paul, he gets beat up and, you know, they send in the, they send in the Roman soldiers to grab him and uh, he gets the attention of the crowd by speaking in Aramaic, you know. He, he speaks, uh, you know, Hebrew to them. And, it, and so there, there is something to be said about hearing, hearing God's word in our own mother tongue. That's really important, I think. And, um, and, and uh, we, you know, we try to do that in Spanish as much as possible. I try, and I, it's nice to hear that uh, that's good even for English speakers, that they can hear that back and forth too. Um, bilingual, bilingual services... Uh, we've been working on it for, you know, many years to try to not make it so cumbersome, you know. You go through a paragraph in English and everybody else is sitting there waiting for the Spanish and then the Spanish comes through and then the people that speak English are kind of sitting there, you know. And, you know, the back and forth is, I think, is really key to try to keep everybody together on the same page and and uh, include everybody, too, so something that we've tried to do a well, little bit this well, year it's but, lively yeah. i think yeah. i think it's it's uh, yeah it's a tricky thing but i think it's it's there there's a liveliness to it that's that's pretty cool and uh you know everybody is especially if you have the english and the spanish readily available to see and read uh you know certainly uh immigrants uh to a majority english-speaking world are going to be able to navigate that yeah and, right um yep. you know we native English speakers should be able to navigate the other way yeah. around. And I don't think it takes that, that, that much of an effort. And so, yeah, I think it works out pretty well. I, I think something <coughs> interesting with that. Um, so I've, I've been to St. Peter's. I haven't been to Christ. It will have to make yeah. it there. And, yeah. Um, but I've also gone to St. Anthony's, uh, for mass yeah. uh, several times. I like one of the old churches in the town. They kind of take them in and, uh, they do a similar thing. And my Spanish is not good. I had four years in high school and then sat on it and then I learned a bunch of other languages. Um, but with our neighbors, I've been working on it again. Uh, the abuela doesn't speak much English. So, yeah. Um, and so I've been working on it. And one of the things that's interesting to me when I go is that um, I know enough to pick up on some stuff. And when you guys are, are preaching like that or even with parts of the liturgy, um, but especially with the preaching, one of the things that impresses me is it's not just... I'm seeing the English or the Spanish, and here's a literal translation of that in the other language. But you notice, if you're familiar with both languages, that the, how the concepts are expressed. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think for me it's very impressive that you're able to do that. But I think also probably for people who are in that setting enough and are starting to pick up on stuff, there's a richness there that you're maybe not getting otherwise in that uh, what both languages are saying are, are biblical they're scriptural, they're mm -hmm. textual, but the way in which they get to saying it as the language has developed historically, it, it can it can bring a a richness to the imagery, um, to the to the to the concepts uh, that I think really add something. It, I, I've noticed the same when you sing a hymn where you know uh, the English for it, and you're singing the Spanish, and you go, okay, yep, that's that is the same thing, but they right. just said it a little bit differently, and uh, right, you know right. that I, that I that itself I think um, is a benefit of at times 
being able to immerse yourself in these in these settings, even the the decorations, the art that you find in the churches, what stands out culturally from, you know, you guys have these churches that uh, I'm assuming both Christ and St. Peter were built by German immigrants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yet now you see the imprint of uh, these new groups that have come as well, and they're all, uh, they all have biblical images, but the ones that stand out to them or how they choose to, what they emphasize and how they image them can be very interesting as well and I think uh, enriches one's understanding of uh, the scriptures and of the gospel but also just of the church in general yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I think probably one of the one of the things that you see and one of the challenges that we have is is uh, trying to find when we when we put together one of the worship services in English and in Spanish trying to find a melody that we can <laughs> that we can use and I, I know we've got the old uh, Culto Cristiano that we use in our Mexican congregations um, in that we're in fellowship with and and you know all of those old tunes are you know taken out of the old Lutheran hymnal 1941 mm. and then uh, and I just know I just know that uh, when we try to use those my guitar player he's uh, he's got some he's got he doesn't quite uh, understand the meter and the and everything together with it and then we've got several other uh, hymnals that we use that are a little bit more, you know, uh, guitar, um, guitar worthy, if you, you know, um, so that's, that's part of the chat. One of the first, this is the first year this year that Holy Week is going to be all bilingual all week at Christ. And, and, um, we're going to see how it goes. Like we're, we're, we're just really trying to bring forward that, that idea because the way that the ministry was set, was, uh, begun, which I think makes perfect sense. I think when uh, you guys, some of you maybe know Marty Valeski, who was, uh, he's the missionary that, uh, you know, gathered these groups together, you know, on the South Side that for years and years had been uh, South Side Ministries. Mm. And uh, he had a call then um, after his couple of years as a tutor at Luther Prep um, to, to gather these groups, you know, have English classes, get to know people and gather them. And Christ was one of the places. And I think St. Peter was already kind of doing some work there together too. But, um, you know, they were really set up on the side of, or, you know, separate from. And, um, and one of the things that, that we find out is that now as those, as the generation of, of Spanish speakers has grown where they've had their own families and their families have grown, you know, their, their kids speak English and, and are as American as apple pie as you and me. And, uh, so it kind of tends to make, make that, that thought process of that's my parents' stuff, you know, the Spanish and everything. That's my parents' stuff, the, the culture and everything. And, and, uh, while that might be a part of me, um, and what might we also chop out of that? Well, coming to church and and hearing God's word in Spanish, and and uh, so it really just became evident that uh, you know these groups, these groups of Spanish speakers that we have, really, really should be and and can be a part of you know the congregation, you know, like like they like they always were, but um, but maybe they didn't feel like it maybe sure. they didn't maybe they didn't seem like it or or it was like a it was like their own their own iglesia cristo 
right? And and this was Christ Church, you know, the generations of the Germans, you know, they would worship in English and gather in English, and here's the group that's in Spanish. And so that's, you know, that's been a big part. And I think I think as you look at any type of mission work that we do as a church body, you know, looking at our own history of, uh, you know, we mostly uh, an agrarian, you know, uh, farms and countrysides, you know, that type of a, a ministry in our in our church body, you know, to, to open up 100 new missions in 10 years, you would imagine that it would be really important to do that in urban centers, Yep. you know, right. and, uh, and urban centers are going to be multicultural, multilingual, and how do we do this together? Uh, a great example of that is the work that uh, Tim Borman's doing out in New York City. I mean, and it's not just Spanish speaking out there, but, you know, people from India and, you know, from China and from Japan and, you know, and how does this, how does this group, uh, you know, how does this group work together with uh, the cultural differences that they, that they naturally have? Um, so there, therein lies the challenge, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have um, some, you know, with people coming into contact with, you know, different, different groups or, or the idea of, um, you know, maybe going a, a significantly different direction, you know, for their, you know, the ministry that, that they were familiar with or that they were used to. Um, do you have some specific suggestions or practical ideas as far as, you know, how, how, how do you get people pulling, pulling together like that and um, all heading in the right direction toward that, toward that? Goal? Well, it's, 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 um, well, at, at the heart of it, it's it's God, the Holy Spirit's work, right? To unite us together, and to recognize that the things that separate here on this earth, um, in the forgiveness and love of our Savior, um, you know, we can we can understand each other, and we can listen, and we can um, work together. Now that that becomes challenging because when we gather together in a church, we bring our sinful nature along with us, and so you know that's part of the part of the you know some of the things that you work through in um and just thinking of some examples of the you know maybe the the german culture and the way that uh worship has been done over the years and things that maybe become a little bit more important than they should be and uh here you've got a here you've got a new group and trying to help them to understand um you know that that uh when we're when we're talking about the way we worship, we, we're doing things in freedom, and uh, I think it's uh, it really comes down to just uh, one soul to one soul to one soul, and uh, and working just carefully. You know, it was kind of frustrating. We met uh, we met some families um, from Congo because that's that's the new influx in our neighborhood, um, Congo, and uh, they spoke English, but really. They were French speaking, and uh, so the English was hard, and it was hard to communicate, and and it was hard to to reach out. But but for several Sundays, we had them coming with us, and mm. and uh, um, and I think also the neighborhood's so transient too that uh, people come in and then they move out right away, you know, and they okay. they come to find different places. So we might meet them for a little bit. And the big thing now is Middle Eastern, and I wonder if uh, and I haven't actually. Um, had much interaction with our Middle Eastern because you just can't communicate very well. And uh, but I, 
but I wonder if the like Afghanistan refugees and and things when that whole thing was going on didn't find their way that the area that we serve is really Ellis Island in Milwaukee. I mean, it really is, and uh, and, and that's why I'm always thinking. It took us so long. I mean, you started having an influx of uh, Latinos um, in the south side of Milwaukee, probably what in the 70s and 80s, probably something like that. I, I mean, I, and I don't. I'm just kind of thinking out loud right now, but it took so long for us to develop that and to bring them into into uh, a relationship with our Savior and into you know into our into our church families. Um, the you know hopefully right now you know we can help you know to understand for this next you know this nef- next ethnicity that becomes the dominant ethnicity on the South Side you know, for the next uh, 50 years, you know, so that, so that there isn't this big gap, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to see a place like Christ Church or like St. Peter's to be, you know, to be the lampstand, you know, to be the, the banner to the nations, you know, in a certain sense of, of uh, here the place of rest is glorious because your Savior here is pure with, with pure gospel and word and sacrament and, and, uh, you know, this ethnicity might grow up and move somewhere else, and we can make those connections as you move somewhere else. But what's the next one that comes in? And um, and I think that's um, that's it. So as far as suggestions, that you know, getting back to your question, I, I it's it really is just trying to kind of find our way through the dark here a little bit, a little bit at a time. We just trying to trying to you know, you can't I can't even imagine uh, you know the Apostle Paul going out into you know, the Greek city-states or, you know, or places where there were and, you know, finding. And that's one of the reasons I think he went right to the synagogue. That was his own countrymen, you sure. know, his own yeah. his own ethnicity first. And um, so, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, and I think, Chad, you bring up a, a good point, a helpful point that maybe for our listeners to give a little context on. Oh, you talked about the Wisconsin Synod, kind of our history being more rural, and it really was um, the relationship that was happening when we were in fellowship with the Missouri Senate still, which went up into, what, the early 60s, was that we we kind of, Missouri took a lot of the cities, um, and we served kind of where we were at, with the exception of, what, maybe Arizona um, a little bit. But I know with the break, Missouri kind of had California, we had Arizona, and then there was a lot of starts in California. But the exception of that was Milwaukee. Um, we had all these churches in Milwaukee. But even with that kind of legacy in Milwaukee, you saw as uh, neighborhoods changed, um, as demographics changed, even here, um, we we often really struggled with what do we do with our churches in the city. Um, and so a yeah, lot of churches oh yeah. get started in the first ring, second ring suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I do think you're right that it, it took quite some time um, and you've seen it with like a Grace, a St. Marcus, and others as well, who who finally say like this is where we're at, and we we've got to make a go <clears throat> of where we're at. And you have yeah. um, all these congregations have people who drive in to go, but also that we're we're going to be planted, you know, um, or this is where we're planted, and we we need to try to to grow here in the soil. And I think that's um, something synodically we're becoming more aware of, but it's just an interesting phenomenon in church history too, because mm-hmm. Christianity starts in the cities, as you mentioned with Paul. Right. 
uh, pagan just means hick or redneck. It was the people out in the country that hadn't converted yet. And the cities right now really are uh, as it was for Paul with Rome or it would have been in a Corinth or in Athens where the nations are there already or they're even more are, are coming, right? The um, All the other peoples different from whatever I may be or yeah. um, our church body may historically be. One of the challenges I think that we faced with that was language, and you mentioned language in first and second generation um, speakers. And, you know, it's interesting in the synod- former synodical conference churches, the Wisconsin Synod and the Missouri Synod, where German was such a big part of who we are, there was this fear of, like, can we even do theology in English? Like, hmm. are we going to lose our Lutheranism if we try to? Um, there was a desire to make sure that, that our children knew the language still. Um, I'm presenting at the Milwaukee County Historical Society, and Mike can jump in and say that no one cares. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on the, the Bennett Law that was passed in the late uh, 1800s, uh, the Republican governor uh, passes this law that says certain instruction in the schools has to be in English. And the Synodical Conference Lutherans join with the Catholics, the German Catholics, and they vote the Republicans out. Because how dare they say we have to do our, our school in, in English? You still see in our synod, sometimes around Christmas time, for old time's sake, we're going to sing Silent Night in German, which I like. Right, yeah. um, don't get me wrong. But for uh, many German Lutherans, the German was a real big part of not just their cultural heritage, but their religious heritage. And mm-hmm. you, you see that in some of the, the old churches still. What um, I'm curious what your experience is. Obviously, if you have... Most Spanish speakers, right, if they're now coming to your church, they're not coming from a Lutheran background that goes back four or five, six generations, um, probably coming out of Roman Catholicism or, mm-hmm. or, or oh, non-practicing yeah. Roman cultural oh, Catholicism yeah. to some degree. What do you find, if, if anything, um, you mentioned kind of a lot of the second generation is ready to move on to English. Are there certain things, um, the interconnection between language and religion that you notice with your Spanish speakers, um, things that seem very important to them, or is uh, do you see less of what we would have seen in the past where um, you had people who had been Lutheran for generations, at least culturally Lutheran, and that it being really hard to give up that German or to think theologically outside of German? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that makes I, I sense. Yeah, I think, I think so. I You know, with our... With our core of our our Spanish speakers, I think there there is that desire. We don't want to lose this cultural heritage that we have with our own kids, and uh, and I know in, in my own in my own home that's something. Too, my wife is always very very strong with with our with our children to speak Spanish. You know, she'll she'll mm-hmm. no in español por favor. You know, right. tell my wife's me. that way with English right. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, she, and it's really important because you know my my family in law is still most of them are in Mexico, and uh, you know for their for their grandchildren to be able to speak with them and interact with them is really important. I think, um, uh, yeah, that 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 cultural baggage of of uh, you know we are, you know we are are Mexicano, and so just generally, you know, the flag of the Mexican Revolution is the Virgen de Guadalupe. 
the Virgin of Guadalupe. So, you know, it's so intrinsically connected into being, and I, I, I wish I could speak to, you know, other Latin American countries. I'm sure it's as strong. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you have, uh, you have the, the general thought process of, okay, here's the baptism and here's the candle that we're going to light you know, that kind of thing. And, and just trying to explain, well, we can, we can light the candle, but that, you know, it's not going to do anything magical or special, you know, or, uh, you know, can you use the, um, you know, bringing the, you know, bringing the picture of the Virgen de Guadalupe when there's a quinceanera, you know, something like that, that, or, or, you know, those types of things that, uh, can you bless the Bible that we're going to give to this girl and, you know some of those some of those things that uh, we run into that um, yeah, even even from even from a lady that worships with us uh, she hasn't uh, gone all the way through to be confirmed but she's regular and uh, in attendance and being you know with us and she ran up to me after church one Sunday and I've got some water can you please bless this you know I was like, but but you've been here with us for like twenty years have, have we ever talked about you know just some of those things that have a heart you have a hard time shedding. And it could very well be, you know, culturally for the quintessential American too, you know, it's probably not any different, you know, from what we're used to. Um, uh, so, but as far as, um, I think one of the, I think one of the things that, that people, uh, people do identify with is our, is the, uh, you know, the Western right way of worship and, uh, um, you know, the, the chief parts of our worship, I think they recognize. and Right way and as in, some, in R-I-T-E way. Right, right, right. Yeah, yes. right, yes. yes, yeah. The Western right, R-I-T-E, yes, yes. yes. yep. Um, and I think they identify with that as something that was familiar with them, you know, maybe in their, in their background. So, um, Is there, so there's a... Do you find there's, there's certain um, concepts with those who are coming from a Spanish background and thinking religiously in Spanish um, that are really just hard in English. Uh, maybe, like, particularly useful ones even that just... Or even easier in Spanish. Right, right? yeah. That um, as you found yourself with doing the bilingual services and just working in that, are there just things that um, where you go, man, Christianity is just really good in Spanish on this? Whereas, like our our forefathers from from Germany might have thought, it's really good in German on this. I, I wish I could think of some examples, like off the cuff, but I but I really I really can't. Um, I wonder if yeah. like like just uh, so we call it confession absolution mm -hmm. in Spanish would be what would you call absolution? Absolution. And then what would you? El perdón. Like, yeah, but pardon. Forgiveness. Pardon. Right, forgiveness being pardoned. Yeah, el perdón. Right, uh -huh. there's, a, there's, right. there's something else there, right? Forgiveness actually is like, what do you, there's no picture behind forgiveness unless you explain it in English, right? Right. You know, forgive, that doesn't really, you know, whatever. But pardon, right, has a legal sense to it built in. You know, I'm, I'm, I wonder if that's kind of an example. Well, think, you know? And I wonder even yeah, with the, the hymns, like it just seems that they have a way of speaking about God and to God in a, um, like about love or in a familiar way that would maybe sound hokey in English, not that American evangelicals don't try. Um, 
but as far as the different strains of Catholicism, it seems, um, and even in the, I mean, you go to a, 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 a Mexican mass, right? And this is, mm-hmm. the music is, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, they're traditional music. It's not like they're like trying to do American contemporary worship by having a guitar. This is the expression of the mass that has developed, you know. Um, but a lot of the songs, it just seems to me that there's a a familiarity and an ability to, to talk about a more or about, you know, how... Um, how they are speaking of or to Christ to me that that just comes across better. Whereas I feel like if I said it in English, it would sound like the Jesus is my boyfriend stuff. I can think of maybe like ten piedad de mi piedad would be like have pity on me. I think it was yeah. ten piedad misericordia, like have mercy. I'm sure there is. I don't feel quite uh, prepared enough. No, to be that's able fine. To, I was just be, curious with it, how it would play <laughs> out. Um, yeah. To build off Jason's, I, I did have a question in that regard, too. Um, you know, one of the, I think, the challenges for any church, and I don't know how the history of Christ and how this played out, is it's our congregation, right? <clears throat> People talk about our church, our mm-hmm. congregation. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, Christ went from being our congregation, meaning a lot of cultural ethnic, historical things um, to a phase where our congregation is a lot more broad um, than, it, than it used to be, and, and in a good way, in a book of Revelation and in all kingdoms yeah, right, sort sure. of way. But there is, I think we can sometimes maybe unfairly poke fun at people for they kind of have their pew, you know, and oh, yeah. there's a familiarity sure. they have. And, and, and if you dig deep, maybe you could go, okay, yes, people look different or speak different than you, you know, get over it. But I don't know how many people are necessarily just reacting to that when they're talking to, talking about just things changing or, or being different. Um, what's your sense for serving at Christ um, as you try to foster that, what our, our congregation means for people? And is, is there a, uh, do you think certain things that are just common across the various backgrounds in the church of, this is what our parish or our congregation means. Yeah, you know, it's a, it uh, jumped into my mind. Uh, it's funny because our, our Spanish speakers are the same. Human beings are human beings, right? And uh, if I look up on a Sunday morning in our Spanish service, I've got these people always in the same spot over here too, and these they've got their spot here too. So that's interesting that... Um, um, I think that uh, I think that in the in the process of uh, one one group of you know one group of one one ethnicity or one group of English speakers has um, you know grown older. Some of them gone off to heaven, and um, you know that has taken place. the The ones that are still here um, have that really important and wonderful role, and they have. Uh, they have been. Um, they have been very um, supportive and uh, strong in understanding that this. Yes, there was a, This was our church for many years, and we want to hand that over. We want to hand it over to this next generation that looks different than us, talks different than us, maybe has different values because of their, because of their background or their culture. And uh, that is not easy uh, for human beings to do. 
And again, it's only something that can be overcome by, uh, by God's Holy Spirit, you know, by, by the work that uh, is done inside of people's hearts to recognize um, that uh, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. And, um, and that's the people that are at Christ right now have had many, many chances and opportunities um, to go off to the church in Muskego or to go to Oak Creek or to go out to New Berlin or, you know, wherever it is that maybe they live or their family McGuanago. has changed or yeah, McGuanago <laughs> or, or, or wherever it is, but they're there because they have that, uh, they have that connection that, um, the connection that they have for, you know, it's Bethel, right? Going back to Bethel, this is the place where, this is the place where, uh, you know, heaven and earth meet because of the good news of Jesus that we have shared amongst um, ourselves and our families for these generations. But they don't, they don't say that's just ours and we're going to, you know, you know, buy hell or high water. That's not, that's the, for lack of a better phrase, that's not a very good phrase to use, but we're, we're just going to be here and not share it with anybody and whatever. No, the, the, the gospel produces their, their desire to hand this off to the next generation. It's taken a while. Yeah. But, but, uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's a real, I yeah. mean, I, as, as someone who gets out to a lot of our churches, and um, I'm sure that Mike has a similar experience. No one ever wants Jason to do anything, so, so less so Jason. <laughs> Um, but you often, he- I mean, you hear almost every congregation that will talk about, you know, we need to know, grow, we need to reach the community. Um, but often the challenge is, is that means people coming into our church and becoming our people. Um, and there's ways that people are supposed to become our people. Like, you should get baptized. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have common teaching, biblical teaching. Uh, I would I would say... Um, I'm a big fan of the Western right, like that, that, that these, this makes sense. But there's other ways in which that happening, and, and sometimes you'll have a church that they feel like they're slowly dying and we really need to, but they can't get past that, that, that some of what our means needs to, to be able to change. And I, I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. great to hear, you know, um, and that's often when you have a congregation that's gone through stuff and you have that core that stayed and they just start to, click they get things i think that's big of Mm -hmm. what ultimately are we looking to have survive and to pass down you know and and i think that becomes a critical question for congregations to ask for church bodies to ask and that can be building stuff too we this building has been home to the proclamation Mm -hmm. of the gospel how many people have been bad that's fine the the, the bill fine okay um Mm -hmm. it can it can be all sorts of things but why you know what are we doing it for um and, you know, uh, this building has been home to the proclamation. Here's more people to now enjoy that in this building. Mm-hmm. But I think that is an, an interesting thing, a necessary thing. I know with our own synod, and I'm, I'm sure with Missouri as well, you're looking at congregations at some point, they're going to have to merge. They, they're just not, that doesn't mean end, right? What lives on, what survives. Right. Um, and and that, that's going to be, I think, a very healthy thing for a lot of our churches, for a lot of our people, and for a lot of our pastors to, to mm-hmm. wrestle with. And it's right. it's good that God has used Christ um, to be able, the congregation and the Savior, um, I, to be able to do that. Yeah. I think with that too, yeah. I think when you're talking about, you know, the love for the, love for the, the individual soul and recognizing that, mm-hmm. I think is, 
I think that's another component of that. And I, I think, you know, I, I, I would be jealous to be in your situation in the sense of if you're trying to sell, you know, sell in the way of bringing buy-in to this, you know, uh, at a church, uh, the church named Christ, because it'd be really pretty easy to say, um, wait, whose name is on this church? <laughs> yeah, right. What do we preach here? Right, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's not Miss, um, Mrs. Schultz or Mr. Smith, um, right, but yeah. Christ's name is on the church. And and I think sure. putting putting him and putting the the work of the kingdom first is, man, if you can, if you can get people to see that, if you can get people to um, understand that, that goes a long way. Um, but then on top of that, that love for love for souls like you were talking about before is such a such a key thing well i think it's yeah go ahead yeah mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to give you a last word uh pastor walter because we're yeah. going to have to wrap up here but uh what, what's your last word here when, when what do you want to leave us with uh, you know a final thought about your ministry and before we wrap up the united states is changing you know and it's uh, been in that it's been in that uh it's been in that process for a long time, and um, and uh, for us to be able to continue to share good news, God has used our country to bring a lot of people uh, from different parts of the world here, and um, I think it, it calls on us who have uh, these lampstands that were, you know, in our communities and in our neighborhoods to uh, to meet meet people um heart to heart and soul to soul as best as we're able to understand uh where they're coming from and and uh and like I said as we continue to share the gospel and and uh plant churches as God the spirit uh, opens up people's hearts uh to respond to the message um I just I think that's uh really crucial really crucial for us to recognize the multi the multicultural multilingual ministry so, yep. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, I've been privileged to hear you speak uh, quite a few and a uh, few times and preach, and there's always the gospel, and that's where that's the most important thing, obviously. But it also gives us this freedom to kind of take chances, right? To take chances. Everything's going to be okay in the end. So, um, with that, Pastor Walta, what do you want to say to our audience now that we're free in the gospel? Let the bird fly. Another round, another round.